This podcast is sponsored by King Manual Therapy, restoring function to body and voice. Later on, we will be discussing the services Stephen offers and where you can find him. Welcome to Industry Minds, the podcast that discusses the importance of talking about mental health within the creative arts. My name is Cathy Reid, and this week I'm joined by the lovely Paul Wilkins. Hello, Paul. Hello, hello. How are you today? I'm not too bad, thank you. Good, good. Paul grew up in Gosport and went on to train at the Arts Educational Schools London, graduating in 2015. Upon graduation, Paul went straight into Les Mis in the West End as ensemble second cover Marius. About six months into that contract, he was asked to play Marius on the Asian tour. And then after that finished, he came back to London and played Marius for a year and a half again in the West End. Paul was also part of the workshop and recording for The Dreamers, which was on at Abbey Road Studios. And he's just about to go off on tour in Hare, where he's playing Claude. So we're just going to get straight in there with our word association game. Uh, you've heard the podcast, you know how it goes. So, Dubai. Sandy. Fan mail. Not much. Jelly babies. <sighs> Naughty. Audition. Uh, collected. Travelling. Love it. West End. Um, uh, uh, not so glamorous. <laughs> Marius. Uh, Journey. The 1960s. Exciting. And we mentioned the 1960s because next week Paul is about to start rehearsals as Claude in the UK tour of Hair, which is super exciting. Um, I saw the version at the vaults, so I know that Paul will do a fabby job as Claude. So, do you want to get started? Absolutely. Yeah. So you went straight into the West End from college, which is a lot of people's dreams, um, but a lot of people find it really challenging. Um, what was your journey with moving straight from college and finishing early and going in to play second cover Marius? Um, well, it was a, as, as me and you have, have discussed previously, like it's, you can train and you can train as, as, as much as anybody, but um, they can't teach you how to then act within a within a West End show, and and you know you're going to be mixing with people that have families and that have done it for years, um, and and so the contrast of being in college to jumping on, into a West End show is uh, terrifying and puts you in a position that you feel like you need to be a certain way, um, or at least that's how I. I felt, yeah. Um, so I guess the 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 challenges of it that you don't necessarily see is that you're going into well, <clears throat> excuse me. I went into the the biggest commercial musical theatre show ever, or one of you know right up there with with the really useful group and some of Bill Kenwright's stuff. Um, and it's a lot of pressure that you can put on yourself as a as a young young guy and being quite naive and and impressionable, um, and 
within that you can um, you can slightly lose yourself and you and I I certainly got so consumed with 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 this musical that then you forget about uh, any relationships that you had previously with with friends and and you know not keeping up with with relationships with family um, and I think it's very easy to become uh, quite um, self-centered really and because you're constantly trying to self-note and you're going you're turning inward and you're trying to better yourself because at, at the start of being in the ensemble you you know drama school can teach you how to be in the ensemble and also to be a principal and to be a, a creative and and lots of different roles but if you're in a position at first so I was I was uh, second cover Marius and in the ensemble I I had my track I had what I do but for me it needed to be more and so the challenge was probably was keeping my focus yeah. uh, and I put a lot of pressure on myself to stay focused so um after your first six months obviously there was the announcement of the international tour and you got offered the role of Marius now that's a big step up it's not like you were first cover and had been on when Marius was on holiday or anything, you'd been on, I think, once mm -hmm. in the West End. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly, you are the lead. Um, in terms of mental health, did this cause any anxiety for you? Because I can imagine if, th if that was me in that position, suddenly, and not even just in town, just like flying across the world, I'd be like, oh my God. Um, and obviously now you've been through it and it's a, it's a couple of years down the line. Um, can you just tell everyone what that was like for you? Um. I mean, you know me. Like, I'll, I'll I'll worry about the fact that I'm a minute late, and then hold that hold that with me for my life. So, uh, like, God, yeah, it was so bizarre that then you. It was it was really last minute, really really last minute. They were struggling to find a Marius, and then um, my agent Amy said, "Oh, they want to see you for the international tour." I was like, "What?" I I wouldn't have, I'm in London, I didn't think that was possible. I'm in a job and I'm, I'm in a contract. But, of course, Cameron McIntosh works, it's quite jigsaw-like. Like, he can fit people where he likes, uh, <laughs> so to speak. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was all very quick. It kind of happened over the space of two weeks. Um, and it was my opportunity to actually go on and do it. I'd only done it the once. And I think maybe if I'd have gone on more in town, I wouldn't have put so much pressure on myself. But because it was me going out there, essentially doing it for the second time, amongst a principal cast, and with all of the... Um, it was the Australian cast. So the Australian tour combined with people from the UK um, and... Um, yeah, a big, a big collective. And then me, who amongst the principals was the first one to ever have done it. And nobody else really knew that. <clears throat> but it was terrifying and, and really exciting. Um, and with all that excitement... Now, do you know what? It was amazing. 
It was amazing. I was sent halfway across the world, and I was in the I was in the Philippines, in Singapore, in Dubai, and it's just unreal. And you're paid. I hate to. I don't like to talk about money, but you're paid money that you don't really know what to do with. You're put up in these places that you're that are unbelievably glamorous, and they look after you extremely well. And it's just otherworldly, completely otherworldly. Um, and the anxiety, your question was, <laughs> did I face any anxiety? Did I? Yes, I did. Um, I just wanted to be really good. And it's, uh, yeah, and that's so subjective because what is good? And then you keep kind of pushing yourself. Yeah. yeah. Does that make sense? So just segueing off what you just said there, um, knowing you, I know that you... Um, you very much look after your craft in terms of acting. Um, and after doing the Dubai, uh, Philippines, everywhere tour, across the world tour, you came back to the West End to then play Marius for a year and a half. Um, obviously that comes with its, its challenges because you're playing the same role night after night after night. Um, and you're quite a perfectionist, as you would say yourself. What did you do to make sure that that role was kept fresh for you and you weren't going stir-crazy in it, um, literally doing the same thing every night? Um, I think a lot of it came from trusting in a choice right smack bang on the moment and just le letting that happen and letting that go and trying as much as I can to place the attention onto the other person. Um, and... Yeah, just being spontaneous and impulsive and trying not to get into a groove of beats, which is really hard with musical theatre because you're, you're, um, you're, you're sewn into the score, you, so you are guided by the score, which is very um, measured. And you have to hit certain beats. You have to be somewhere on a certain moment. And you and I found it really important to have to find the moments within the show that I could free up and I could make my own. And those moments, say like, um, uh, hey, Eponine, what's up today? I, oh, no. Oh, huh? oh, God, it's been a while. Hang on. Uh, hey, Eponine, what's up today? I haven't seen you much about. Yeah, that's right, isn't it? You can always keep me in. Mind the police don't catch you out. All of that section that's right um, when Marius first comes into Paris. Um, I found it really important um, uh, with all the different eponines that I played with to, to hit the different beats every single night. I might push a certain word. I might um, surprise uh, Karis, who's playing eponine, um, my last contract, to go, go a certain way and then she would have to stop me from going. And... And just kind of really being on the front foot with decisions. Um, so yeah, I think the, I think the most important thing for me was to lose my ego and just trust an impulse. So I think there's often a common misconception, and we've talked about this with um, quite a few guests, that if you're in the West End, everything is completely fine and dandy, and you're living everyone's dream. Because obviously, 
a lot of people want to get into this industry and they want to be in the West End. Um, I know that's certainly what I wanted to do when I was 14, 15 years old. Um, but being in the West End and having the dream job doesn't necessarily mean that you're always happy and that mental health issues can affect you. And I think that's something that's really important to bring to light. Um, there's often a lot of stuff on social media about how you should be really, you should, you should be grateful because you're in a show. You shouldn't complain because you're in a show. And I think that... Yeah, and I think I think it's difficult when you're not in a show to see people complaining, but it doesn't mean that you don't suffer from um, just general life and things that happen. Again, that is just your work at the end of the day. Um, so if if you don't mind chatting about it, was there any time during Les Mis when you're on this West End in this dream job that you maybe struggled a little bit with your mental health? Um, I'll just I'll just go back. A second, because actually, it's really interesting that you say that um, uh, it's hard. It's hard for people out of work to see people that are in work and complaining. Yeah, that's a, that's a number one thing that a lot of people struggle with, and they will they will have this worry and, and this anxiety and envy and possible jealousy and anger when they see someone post up about something they've done. It's the wrong way to look at everything. Um, like you. You have the highs and the lows, and I had a really good three three and a bit years. I did Les Mis, and I did a nice piece at Abbey Road Studios. But between that and now going off for hair, there are money issues. There are there are my mum's extremely unwell at the moment, and there are lots of different pressures that people face that you don't know about. And so, by placing importance on understanding why people are saying these things is is the key to this industry actually coming closer and understanding each other more um so say for example if we if we put it into the into the terms of of illnesses and health say you've got someone that is that does have a, a very bad illness and someone else is going, oh, God, I tell you what, my knees are so, they're killing me today. They're really, really hurting. And then the person with the, with the I quote, worse, the worse illness is then going, oh, but you don't know what it's like. It's totally unfair. It's totally unfair because it's all, it's all, it's, everybody has the right to, to, to feel a certain way. Um, they just do. And it's uh, it's all what's the word? Um, it's re- yes, yes, exactly. It's all relative, um, and we all have our own aches and pains. If you if you were to take away everybody else's stuff, like uh, people talk about um, droughts in countries and and poverty, yes, absolutely, it is. Now it is a it is a horrible, horrible thing. But if you are also going through a horrible thing, it doesn't stop it being a horrible thing. All we need to do as people is to um, is to tr- is to try and uh, practice empathy and compassion and to understand each other and <laughs> because you don't you don't see the pressures that other people are under um, and so I think we all just need to take a little step back, create dialogue and try to understand and not to just see things as they are. But your question was, because <laughs> this was inside your, your thing, um, 
what was your question? Um, did I face any mental health struggles? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm quite I'm quite an insecure person. When I was younger, I was I used to be hold a bit more weight, and so that's something that's that's always played on my mind, um, and um, yeah, so. There's that, so I've got an image thing. Um, I've never quite fitted in with really masculine guys. I've never done like kind of football or sport. I have done sports. I've done. I used to play hockey, and I was a goalkeeper, and uh, I played for Gosport Borough, um, and I played cricket, and and I've and I've I've got lots of different strings to my bow. But for some reason, I've just never ever fitted into that place and that's always made me uh question myself but it didn't when I was at art set it didn't when I was surrounded by such openness but then as soon as you get into uh as soon as you're in a a profession that sometimes requires for or men in particular think that they require to up their game because it's not considered a masculine um profession um you know if anything it's associated with more feminine uh, a feminine side of things um and so I felt that pressure especially going into going into Les Mis because uh it was you know I came from a I came from a place that was so open and so accepting and I could just be who I wanted to be and then when you think the West End or a show is going to be... When, when you have an idea of how something's going to be and then you get there and it is... It's not. Then you're like, oh, gosh, okay, I need to, I need to readjust. Uh, and I just started questioning my actions and questioning my worth. Was I good enough to be there? Like a paranoia setting, anxiety to try and impress... Um, because I felt like I was bottom of the pack being second cover in the ensemble. But then look at how many people would would kill to be in that position. And I wish I could go back to myself then and just say, enjoy it. Just enjoy it. Enjoy every moment. Um, and if it's meant to be, it's meant to be. I went, I feel like I went... I went too far and closed myself off and was just like, I'm going for this, um, which I've always been. I've always been the, the type of person that <laughs> some might say stubborn. I would just say, I agree a little bit, <laughs> um, but I'm very particular. And if I want something, then I do go and get it. Um, but some people perceive that uh take it in a very personal way um, and yeah I think that is something that I didn't deal with very well and just shut myself off um, but in terms of particular things with mental health I was in a very dark place um, and I had I have a tendency to kind of ebb and flow in and out of that and people that know me know that's just how it is um, and I can I can feel like I have extreme highs and extreme lows. Don't know if that is anything, but you know if I figure out my ways of how to deal with it. Um, 
and and yeah, I experienced some really, really dark places. And the way I, the only way I can look at it now is that you have to experience those moments in order for the good times to just seem really good. And one thing I would like to highlight is is that I I, I struggled quite a bit with with um, substance substances and um, alcohol and because you're in a constant routine all the, all the time of something that repeats and no matter how much you change it up I know you've spoken about being impulsive no matter how much you do that at the end of the day it is still the same product and you feel like you're a part of something incredibly special which yes you are you are but the audience were going along because of what the branding and the show already was and what their perception of the show is you put so much pressure on yourself and then um, I got myself into a bit of a rut and into, into a bit of a routine and something we don't realise if you're the type of per- if, if, if you are doing a uh, show is that you, you you know you go to work maybe you're in at like 6 you finish at 10 half 10 um, and you go and have a drink and you can because it's night time, you feel like you can do that all the time, so you do it all the time. Um, but if you, swap, if you swap it around, if you're doing a nine-to-five job and you finish at five and every night you go to the Clarence and you have, you know, two, three, four beers or whatever, then that is an issue. And it's an issue that really annoys me because it's so socially accepted in the UK. Even the whole uh, units thing that people, they say, well, you can have two large glasses of red. But, like, or maybe it's not that much, but it's, it's something like that. Like it's, it's, it's totally wrong. Like, you are, you are putting something into your body that then it changes, it, it influences your choices, and, and it, it just blurs things up. And... It helps you to get. Th- it helps you to get through stuff, and people don't address things. People don't actually ad- address the issues at hand. And so, yeah, when I was at, at, at one point, it just got a bit too. It got a bit too much. I needed to be extremely honest with myself. And moving forward, I just, if I know that there's something, then I just speak up. I reach out. I'm very. I try to be honest with myself as much as I can and yeah, don't leave any little demons or, or skeletons hanging about. If you ever feel a little demon, then it just needs to come out there and then because otherwise it just festers. Yeah, I think that's so true what you say. It is very important to to reach out and I've, I've done that myself personally and only good can come from from it's, it's not it's not a problem shared as a problem half but if you keep it to yourself it's never gonna never gonna get better um and it's interesting what you said there about um the whole that you've got to know the bad times to know the good times um by the time this gets released we'll have released our interview with um daniel hope and the title of hers if i can remember is you don't know who you are in the light if you haven't experienced the dark or something like that um which I was like, preach at, because it is so true. Um, And you've got to know yourself in lots of um, 
different situations, but certainly reaching out for help is something that is so important and it takes so much courage to do. Um, we've had so many people on here who've been like, I, I hid that for ages, I didn't tell anyone, I didn't do this, and then I reached out for help and now I'm on the road to recovery or now I'm fine. And so, yeah, I think that that's really important. I think it's not even... It, I, I feel in myself, and maybe other people might feel this, that that it is it is something this underlying underlying under underlying. underlying yeah this underlying uh, thing of of worry uh, which a lot of people straight away highlight as anxiety which I think we do need to be re- we need to be careful of as people I'm not a professional or anything like that but if you automatically put it into this category of uh, like a you know, a scientific word, this is exactly what it is. I think sometimes we can make things bigger than they are. That to think that once you've resolved all these problems, that's it, right, I found the solution, I'm enlightened, this won't happen again. It could. It could because it's it's a chemical thing, isn't it? And so you need to be aware of what your triggers are and be aware of... Uh, of the surroundings and the and the scenarios that make you feel like this and be aware and be aware and it will get better with time because um, I felt like oh that's it oh that's exactly what it is cool everything's sorted and then actually I have a, another little dip and I'm like oh oh okay so um yeah So as we said at the start of the podcast, we are gratefully sponsored by King Manual Therapy. Stephen is a manual therapist who specialises in myofascial release and Scarlett and myself are both here with him at his clinic today. Hello Stephen. Hi Scarlett, how are you feeling after your treatment? I feel really, really good. I had quite a lot of back tension and neck tension, I think you would say. Stephen just kind of shuggled me all up. That's a technical term. (laughs) So it was something that I wanted to start in 2019 in order to look after my mental health as I carry quite a lot of stress around my body. Um, and Stephen's clinic is such a supportive, safe and funny atmosphere. He offers top banter as well throughout his treatments. It's been a really great thing to do in 2019 for me. And I went for a vocal massage last week and having put off going for vocal massages for years because I've heard about how painful they are, I can confidently say that it was completely pain-free and I felt so much better after it. And I think that there is a big link between looking after your mental health and looking after your physical health as well. So Stephen, if people would like to begin with you, where can they find you? So you can find me at kingmanualtherapy.com and there's a whole little booking system there. You can just schedule, come and see me, come say hi. We'll work out what we can do. And um, you can find me on Twitter. You'll find me, King Manual Therapy, and uh, Instagram, also King Manual Therapy. I feel like that's really unimaginative. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure you check it out. So uh, when you went away sorry I know we're still on limits but it's quite a big chapter in your life um you um you said yourself you got a lot more followers on social media I think um across across the world especially in Asia there's a lot of like a huge fandom with shows like this that come over um did you feel any kind of pressure to present yourself in a certain way to those thousands of new people that had suddenly now had an insight to your life oh my god yeah yeah, absolutely. 
like I made a whole YouTube channel and I was like putting up lots of pictures on Instagram of, of what was going on. And it was literally everything on my Instagram wasn't to do with me. It was to do with the branding, to do with the show. It's not healthy. That's so not healthy. And presenting yourself that everything's absolutely great. Like it's just, it's so not real. And I realized that and I was like, these very uh, Mary Kondo, like, uh, is it Mary or Marie? Oh, I call her Mary. You call her Mary? Yeah. Ah, M, M dog. <laughs> if, uh, just simply, if something just doesn't, doesn't spark joy, then just don't do it. And I was looking at those videos and I was like, that is not real. That is not something that I actually want out there anymore. So I took them down. I was like, it's just not, it's just not me. And there's so much of that on social media, isn't there? I don't think we've had a single person who hasn't had that kind of same reaction to social media. Um, some people use it in a bit more of a positive way. Um, we had Tatum on in series one and she said that she now, if she sees something that she's like, that doesn't do, that doesn't do it for me, that doesn't spark joy, as you say, she just gets it out. And um, I think it definitely can be used for good, but it is such a, we all know that whatever people put on social media is only the best part of their lives and yet we still let it affect us. Um, but I think the more we talk about it, the more people will start to get it ingrained that it's not it's not everything, it's not the be-all and end-all. Um, I personally have turned off notifications for everything apart from WhatsApp and Messenger because, yeah, yeah, it's it just makes my life so much less anxiety-inducing. I, uh, I had someone very recently... Um, uh, <laughs> someone very recently... Recently was like, oh, did you not see this on my, on my Instagram? I was like, no, no. Do you know how many posts actually come up? Like, I don't. I've got, you know, I'm looking. I'm. It's. I'm doing my own life. Like, I couldn't give an f. Yeah. What is it? What's why? What is it? Oh, it's this. I'm like, oh, yeah, cool, great. Yeah. And I feel like if you want to have that kind of, if you want someone to know something about your life, then you you tell them or. Like you take, yeah, you call them if you if you know them, and the amount, of, the amount of friends that kind of dropped off the radar once you're um, once you're not doing something where they can gain something. When I left Lame Is, my followers went like just dropped through the floor, and at first I was like, oh my god, no, oh that's all, gone. and I was like, oh, oh yeah, it's gone. Mm. Right, actually, I feel so much better for it, and I feel like it just it just feels real. Yeah. Yeah, real life interactions that's what that's what we should be doing more of it's how we used to communicate it's how we used to get around life and so yeah no I completely agree so um, as we said before you're about to go on tour and play Claude in hair how are you feeling about that uh, I am so ready to start yeah so ready got the job quite a while ago didn't you it's been a while since uh, I got it I got it when I was uh, in the middle of doing a show called The Dreamers at Abbey Road Studios, which was very good. I really enjoyed that, and that was, I originated a role, which was fantastic. Um, uh, yeah, so I got that kind of middle of rehearsals. Uh, so it's been about, altogether about four months, maybe? No, three, three or four months waiting. Um, and... Yeah, since then I've had, I'm, I'm like, whoa, this show is so different to, to obviously to Les Mis, it couldn't be more opposite. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Yeah. So 
talk to us about your feelings about going off on tour. That is something that you're literally uprooting your life every week, moving to completely different locations across the country. It doesn't go from like Newcastle to York to Durham. And it, it goes literally, you can be in Aberdeen one week and Southampton the next. Yeah. Um, how are you feeling about that? Because uh, I know some people, I know some people love touring, and I know some people hate it. So, talk to us about your feelings about that. Uh, well, at the moment, I think I'm going to absolutely love it. Um, I'm quite good at living out of a suitcase. I don't like that much choice of clothes. I always say to to friends, like, if there was the choice between a Tesco's Express and a big Tesco's, I'd mu- much rather go to a li- the Express. I'm looking for excuse to not have to 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 dress up uh, 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 differently all the time um, and visit lots of new places. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think it's going to be cool. It's going to be great going into a new theatre and uh, having to respace it and change the playing level because we're playing quite intimate spaces, small spaces, uh, like kind of grade C's, and then to like grade A's, massive that side of things I'm really looking forward to. It's just so different to Lamers, and I think that only good can come of that. Yeah. And I think that here's one of those shows that it has been around for 50 years, and so many people have played the role of Claude, and yet it seems that you will have quite a lot of freedom to make that character your own. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, that's why I kind of want... want to, I'm getting off book as quick as possible because we don't have that much time we've only got three weeks um so i've you know i've I've got a book of all the songs i've learned all of that and i'm just going to spend these three weeks just playing and i think in terms of 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 trusting myself this show will certainly bring it that's really good to hear so obviously this this show is uh quite a short contract um in general um it's six months um in terms of the future, um, it seems that the shorter contracts seem to have a little bit more creative freedom in them because they're not necessarily a recast. Um, would you say that that's something that you would look to do more of in the future, just lots of maybe little jobs where you have a bit more creative freedom, or would you be happy to go back into the West End for that dream role? Um, I think n- n- now more than ever is when I need to be a lot more risky. Um, like hair is is it's not comfortable. It's it's taking me right out of my comfort zone, and so moving forward, I think it's more about challenging challenge challenging myself. And yeah, you know, I did I did three years of a very long running show right at the start of my career, um, and that's a you know I've, I've I've ticked a massive box. So now is time to get out there, try new things, be seen by people, because I've been... When I left Les Mis, I felt like a grad again. I haven't been seen by anybody. People might know who I am and, and might associate me with Les Mis and think of me as being quite legitimate, but actually, I'm, I'm much more than that, so I'm excited to explore um, different avenues. Uh, actually, just on that note, um, so having not auditioned, really, apart from to go on the international tour uh, for three years and meeting all these new people. Did you suffer with any audition anxiety with that and worry about what you had to offer because you were technically out of practice even though you had been in work for three years? Um, 
no, I felt quite, I felt quite good. I felt quite confident. Um, probably because I was given the opportunity to play a principal role. And so by someone saying, actually, you're good enough to do that, then it just, it, yeah, it gave me the confidence to walk into a room. I had a good stamp on my CV of art said and name is. So, um, yeah, I think from that they can see, okay, he's done He's done stuff, and with that, that makes me a bit more comfortable um, to just do what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Right, Paul. Finally, could you walk into a room today, any room, um, and say, I'm having a bad mental health day? Or maybe not in those words, but if someone asked you, would you be able to say that you were having a bad mental health day? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I, how would I say it? Um, yeah, I'd probably just put. You know, I'm. I'm just not sure where my head's at today. Be honest, Gath. I just. I wear every emotion on my face, so people can more often <laughs> they'll be able to see if I'm not. I'm not in the best of moods, and uh, I'm being more and more honest about that. If people can't take it, you know, they're not worth having in your life. If 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 they if they can't take the rough with the smooth. That's, that's life, you know. It's not all. It's not all uh, hunky dory all the time. Mm-hmm. What's that phrase? Not all something in flowers. Not all something in roses. It's not all. Daisies. And Daisies. And sunshine and flowers. I don't know. It's not all petunias and everything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fabulous, Paul. Thank you so much. Um, we're just going to finish with a game. I finished the sentence. So got a couple of uh, interesting ones here, which I've thought of recently, which. I just love to know the answer to. So, a simple one to begin with. When I graduated, I thought that... I thought that... I would never be in a tap show. (laughs) I'm actually right at tap. I'm okay. (laughs) In a former life, I was a... Dog. My guilty pleasure is... Oreos. Mm Mm-hmm. My dead or alive party guest is. Dead or alive party guest. Uh. Oh, oh God, Kathy. Um, dead or alive party guest. Prince. Ooh, great. The country I most want to go to is. Canada. It's great. You should go. Yeah, yeah. I would highly recommend Canada to anyone listening. Yeah, it's fab. They're all so nice over there. Yeah. And finally, in the future, I want to be... Uh, in the future, I want to be... Proud. I like that one. Great. Paul, thank you so much for joining me today here at the Actors Centre. Um, and good luck with hair. It's going to be very exciting six months for you, but I'm sure it'll be absolutely fabulous and you'll have the best time. So thank you. Thank you very much for having me, Cathy. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Minds. We wanted to make our listeners aware of the services that we offer. We are lucky to have the support of our counsellor, Mary Birch. Mary offers a private telephone or Skype service 24-7 and completely free of charge. She's also holding one-on-one sessions at a creator-friendly price of £25. So if you are interested, please get in touch. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit the subscribe button. You can also rate and review us on Apple. We want to reach as many creatives as we can, and this isn't possible without ratings from our lovely listeners. 
share, tell a friend, and please continue to spread the word as it really could help someone. Thank you for listening and we'll be back with you very, very soon.